Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Destination Draft Day, your location for all things NFL Draft. Whether it's the NFL Draft, pro football, college football, or anything in between, we got you covered. Destination Draft Day, it's a long road, but we'll get you there. Joined by Nick and Brian, the greatest to ever do it. How are you guys doing? Listen, this episode is going to be all gas, no breaks. We got a lot to talk about. And I think Brian was very impressed with Robert Sala's introductory press conference, but he's been very impressed before. And we know Rex Ryan's press conference was amazing. And you know what? I think for the most part, Rex did deliver. So got to have high hopes here, Brian. Yeah, yeah. No, as far as uh, winning press conferences goes, I think that that's you know, the best one to ask for. I don't know. I think anybody, when you hire a new coach, you just want to feel like, you want to feel like your culture is like finally going to change and maybe the Jets finally have that guy. You know, the Lions might too because they're going to be biting off kneecaps in this coming season. Yeah, uh, Michael, of, of the of the introductory press conferences, that was a little weird, but I did mention that Dan Campbell was going to probably get a head coaching job a few weeks ago and I liked that he said, I told my agent to, to tell the Lions I was Campbell from from the college football scene and it worked out. So, uh but Eric Bieniemy not getting a coaching job. So before we talk about the new coaches here, Michael, any surprise there that that's happening? I think he's actually hurting himself each year by being with the Chiefs, and nobody can really interview him until after the season, and nobody wants to wait that long. Yeah, it sounds like he is now the leading candidate in Houston, which could work out as long as – because, you know, Deshaun Watson, obviously that's his guy, so – if they were to hire the enemy, the idea is that that would also keep Watson in Houston. So that could work out pretty well. Uh, but really, it just kind of depends on what happens. You know, Jack Esterby is not the most encouraging front office guy to work with from all the reports that have been coming out of Houston. So definitely a uh, interesting situation. But the fact that we went into this offseason pretty much saying top two guys are Eric Bieniemy and Brian Dabble, and one of them are now pretty much guaranteed to not be getting a job is crazy. And 
both uh, coaches obviously still in playoffs, so maybe that hurts them a little bit, not being able to really focus in on the interviews and really are kind of focusing on the team and trying to make sure that they succeed. But there's definitely uh, a lot to be said about the fact that we're seeing some of the top candidates, and at least in our eyes and in terms of the media perception of the coaching carousel, now probably going back to being an offensive coordinator next year. Brian, I was really hoping that the Eagles were going to hire Todd Bowles as their defensive coordinator, but they did not go that route. I don't understand why people are looking at, you know, even interview Todd Bowles at this point, just, you know, two years removed from the Jets debacle. It's not like the defense has been that great with the Buccaneers. So were you surprised to see Bowles get an interview with the Eagles? I guess I'm not surprised to see a guy like Bowles get an interview because he is a high character guy and he's somebody that other that players, players do love playing for him. Now he might not be, he obviously wasn't a great head coach at all. I don't know if he has the personality for that. I do think a reserved personality can succeed as a head coach, but Todd Bowles obviously didn't. And you're completely right. I mean, that, that Tampa defense really isn't that good. I'm sure we'll get to it. Uh, you know, covering that game. I will say that I do think that being in the playoffs, you know, has hurt a guy like Bienemy, but he hasn't hurt himself. I don't, you know, you can't be the offensive coordinator of the most prolific offense in football or one of them and be hurting yourself. It just happens to hurt him that they keep right. so deep every single year. It's true. Yeah. Off the top of my head, I, I don't remember the last time a, a Super Bowl winning or Super Bowl participating coach coordinator, whatever you want to call it, ended up getting a head coaching job next year because Michael, as you could tell us, you know, I'm sure a guy like Bill Belichick has already has so much stuff done on the draft. So you get to a certain point where if you're waiting till first, second week in February to get a head coach, it's tough to prepare for the draft. It's definitely tough to prepare. We've seen it before with guys like Flores, Patricia, and I'm sure there's been multiple others. That's just the ones that came to mind right away. But You'd think that, especially with how important winning is for these programs and these teams, that maybe they'd be willing to wait those extra weeks if they're getting a coach that they truly believe in. I don't think any of these teams are really bringing in a coach that they don't believe in, which I think is important to state. Just because we may be annoyed, or at least I may be annoyed, that like the enemy and Dabble aren't getting their opportunity doesn't mean that I'm saying, oh, you know, Nick Sirianni is just not a good coach or something. So, you know, best of luck to these coaches, and I hope they do well in their new positions. Maybe uh, maybe I'm rooting for some more than other. Maybe I, I don't want uh, Sala to really run the AFC East or anything. But, wow, you know, I uh, I definitely want these guys to succeed. So no, no ill will towards the hired coaches. I'm just hoping that some of these other guys that I really like as coordinators get their opportunity soon. Let's, uh, let's take a look here. Um, well, MLB rule says Frank Reich. That is correct. But let's remember that the Colts did hire Josh McDaniels. So it was kind of last minute there. So probably not their choice. Michael's right, though, about Flores and, and Patricia. But I believe that they were both hired during the bye week, if I'm not mistaken. And they just didn't announce it. So the enemy, I don't know what his uh, interviews were like. Rick says the enemy struggled on interviews, according to some reporters. And some of the bad things from his past led the teams making a decision between someone with no skeletons versus someone with skeletons. Even if he has moved 
on and grown from it. I didn't know Bianami had any skeletons. Brian, I see you foam out the mouth here. No, no, no. What I will say, I can't speak to that either. I didn't know that. What I will say about the interview is that why don't you just, you know, like, and people want to talk about, you know, not being sure whether or not he's uh, called all the plays or has uh, as much autonomy over the offense as maybe some people think. But we're seeing other coaches who didn't call the plays uh, still get hired. So I think that kind of flies out the window. And, you know, I do think that some guys are just maybe you equate it into school to being a bad test taker. Michael and I talked about this uh, off air one day. And, and you know, I mean, it is possible that the enemy has had some interviews that aren't as impressive as some others. Maybe not everybody's Cliff Kingsbury just walks in there, charms everybody, and then they just hand him a job that he's probably not quite qualified for at the time because he's just got a great plan. But – you know, maybe just watch tape of the Chiefs' offense and and make your make your hiring decision off that, and not so much about about the interview. I mean, I just um, I've, we've seen enough bad coaching hires after good interviews to know that the interview process itself is is flawed. Yeah, so I get it Rick 100%. says his skeletons or something on his time in Colorado, but go ahead, Michael. Uh, yeah, I, I get. It. There was some uh, some time back in the enemy's past that. Had some stuff that owners are obviously going to question them on, but it seems as though they wouldn't bring them in for an interview if they didn't really trust that. So I would assume that that would kind of be overlooked at that point. And I I would also assume that he's grown as a person to where that's all good and he's a better man, I would hope. Uh, I think really, like Brian was saying, some guys just maybe aren't as best at the interview process as they are as coaches. And at some point, the sample that we see on the field has to speak for itself. The enemy has consistently had great running backs, even when they were fielding guys like Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy, they were still producing at a pretty well rate, even with, you know, the inconsistencies and injuries that plagued them all season, they still went to the Super Bowl. The enemy is going to consistently create a great run game for your team. He has worked with Andy Reid, Mike Kafka, some great coaches that should be easy to incorporate into his offense and create a similar passing attack. When you're looking at some of these QBs out there in the league, you know, Detroit, Jacksonville, stuff like that, if you have a QB that has similar skill sets to Mahomes, I would think you'd want to get as close to the coaches that are coaching Mahomes as you can so you can run similar things and have similar success. And I think the enemy would have been a great fit for both those places. Yeah, and we'll have to just wait to get another offseason. And you mentioned Dabble, who he'll probably get a job at some point as well. Now, you know, we also want to touch on here. We mentioned it last week that it was going to happen, but it's official now. Bill O'Brien, the offensive coordinator with Alabama. And it looks like Adam Gaze is going to end up as the offensive coordinator with the Seahawks. What do you what do you guys think about about this here? I guess we'll, we'll start with Brian and take it from there. Yeah, yeah uh, man, a pretty charmed life for Adam Gase. Probably the least the least impressive coaching stint in recent memory, and that includes names like Matt Patricia and some other ones where it hasn't really worked out at all. But uh, he's going to walk into a a pretty good job. I mean, they do have some work to do on offense. The Seattle offense floundered in the second right. half of the season, but they've got weapons. They've got Russell Wilson. So um, it's better than Sam Darnold, right? No disrespect to Sam Darnold, but it, it gives you a lot more stuff to do. Yeah, Russell Wilson's better than about 28 quarterbacks in the NFL. So, yeah. Absolutely. 
So, Michael, why don't you touch on the the O'Brien side of things? And, you know, I could easily see him next season after this one coming up being a power five coach, no doubt about it. Yeah, I think that's very likely to happen. One year, though, as this coach, and they also have Doug Marone as the offensive line coach, I think Alabama is really kind of shaping up to probably run the table fairly easily next season. Bryce Young is going to be a phenomenal quarterback. They have to replace some superstar wide receivers, but you know we saw with John Mechie kind of stepping up in Jalen Waddle's absence that I don't think the issue of talent is going to come into play for Alabama. So with all these NFL coaches, NFL personnel, with you know Nick Saban and all these great players on roster, it's going to be dangerous for Bill O'Brien. You know I think this is a great opportunity for him to kind of get back into the swing of things in terms of the college perspective. I think. At Houston, he had this kind of at least narrative, you know. I that's what's been said is that he was a very kind of overwhelming coach. And I think at the college level, you kind of need to be a little bit better about yes, you can be a very disciplinary coach, a very overwhelming coach, but you also have to understand that these are 18 to 22 year olds for the most part. So you got to be a little bit better in terms of handling that. I think one year at Alabama where you get a little bit of leeway in that regard and you can really just kind of enjoy all the talent that you have at your availability and then kind of adjust and grow your process, learning under the best college coach probably ever. And then you go and get, you know, a job that maybe not one of the big jobs like USC or something like that, that may become available, but you could probably get a very nice power five gig and Bill Bryan will likely succeed in that opportunity. Tennessee is available now. Who knows what's going to happen with them? The crazy stuff. I think Texas will be available in three years as well. Uh, that's what I think about Sarkeesian. Now, we have a lot of viewers right now. We appreciate everybody watching. Do us a favor. Go on Twitter and at Landry Football and say, we love the Destination Draft Day show. It's the best show. you got to give these guys a major pay raise. We appreciate that. Now, Rick says Josh McDaniels. Um, yeah, I think Josh McDaniels is probably going to stay put now, and he's going to take over for Belichick in five years or so. Belichick stays on as GM, and McDaniels becomes the head coach there. We'll see what happens. Uh, Rick about the enemy says he should be a head coach. Don't get me wrong, but the interview process is definitely flawed. It's very networky, and if you don't play in the game, you might miss out. Same thing for us in our careers with the media. You got to know what you you know. Got to know who you know and network that wise. And he thinks the enemy has a Houston job in the bag. Just not announcing it yet. Uh, Brian, real quick, uh, do, do you think there's any impact here um, now based on the flaw with the Mets with Jared Porter, their GM, as far as you know, coach uh, the coaching searches that were going this week and GMs that, you know, they, they heard about that and they're like, we better do a huge, huge background check. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, like, we live in a world where if there's something that was going on in your past that you weren't supposed to be doing that people are not going to want to hire you for, you can, our teams will find out more so right. than they could have at any point in the past. So I just think it's going to, uh, continue along the uh, teams doing their due diligence, I guess, to even a a higher degree. I mean, uh, that specific situation in baseball, it seems like a thing that, um, you know, a big media network like ESPN knew about, but nobody else knew about, right. sort of held on to that story. Uh, maybe, maybe a little bit of an outlier. I'm not sure how often exactly that happens, but teams will be doing their due diligence because nobody wants to hire a GM or a coach that has skeletons like like those uh, uh, for sure. Now I think Rick has a comment here about Robert Sala, and then we should take a look at all the hires for the soft season. But 
He says he is about as stable as a bodybuilder carrying 500 pounds on a glass bridge. So maybe he doesn't really like Stella. I don't know. Michael, let's take a look at all the coaching hires. Yeah, some very interesting hires over the course of the past week or so. We're going to start off. This list is in alphabetical order. No ranking here. We're just going to kind of go team by team, talk about it. So let's start out with Atlanta hiring Arthur Smith. We see his success with Tennessee and how much that offense really kind of really played up to expectations, exceeded some at some points. Ryan Tannehill obviously kind of recovered his career and became a very talented QB in Tennessee. So Arthur Smith now heading to Atlanta where this offense is obviously very talented but maybe can be unleashed a little bit and reach higher levels. Arthur Smith in Atlanta. Brian, what are your opinions? Yeah, I think I like this one more than some other people, uh, yourself included, maybe Michael, just because um, Atlanta knows that they – Need, they have all of this off talent and they need somebody to, you know, sort of unlock that Pandora's box a little bit. You know, uh, Smith has had Derrick Henry to rely on. He's not going to to have that now, but they do have enough weapons where they got an offensive coach that's been able to turn around uh, an offense. And uh, I don't think it's the worst hire. I think maybe some other ones on this list are a bit more questionable. Yeah, I got I, I got it. Sorry, I don't cut you off there, Brian, but yeah, I mean, I'm just confused why they would go the offensive route here because to me, offense was never the problem with this team and it's their atrocious defense. Uh, But maybe, you know, like Martha Smith might have just blown them away in in the process. Uh, But, you know, hopefully, hopefully uh, things work out for the Falcons. But I was just, I was just surprised personally that the Falcons didn't even want well, I thought they were really going to go after a defensive guy. But, you know, Arthur Smith's blew away. And, Michael, I also think Arthur Smith looks like Adam Lefko from Bleacher Report. <laughs> I can see the similarities a little bit. I honestly wasn't a huge fan of this hire. I think Arthur Smith has some upside, and there's some reason to be confident in him. But I didn't think that he was one of the better candidates. I thought the offense at times kind of was very dependent on Derrick Henry being – a literal semi-truck. So, you know, we'll see what happens in Atlanta. And obviously, he will have some great, talented weapons to work with. So he definitely could have success. But of the hires overall, this was one of my lower-ranked ones, for at least in my opinion. But I've been low on guys before, and they've proved me absolutely wrong. We'll move on now to Detroit. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Campbell had the maybe most violent introductory press conference we've ever heard talking about taking out kneecaps, talking about taking bites out of people, you know, the lions seem to be in for a very physical brand of football led by probably one of the most muscular head coaches we've had in recent memory. What are your guys' opinions on Dan Campbell? Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, this is very similar to the Salah hire for the Jets in the sense where this is a team that just needed to hit the reset button on the culture. Maybe, Nick, we're kind of missing the point. We're thinking of, like, offense, defense, when in reality some of these teams just want to change their culture around and just want to get a different type of guy in there. It seems like the Lions want uh, a lot more intensity maybe compared to 
the sort of reserved, at least seemingly reserved nature of a guy like Matt Patricia. So if they want to change the culture around and just get a different vibe in the building, I mean, this guy's a fit. Whether or not it ends up being a success, I mean, we'll talk in two or three years about that. Yeah, he, he, he was an okay tight end with the Giants as well as other teams. But, you know, he impressed a lot of people years ago when he was the interim coach for the Dolphins. And since then, he's kind of been everybody's radar uh, as a head coach. I did mention I thought he was going to get a head coaching job. Now he does. Hey, is it going to is it going to work out? We don't know. It's it's a it's a real crapshoot. It was an interesting introductory press conference. But I think the Lions' issue these last few years has more to do with their talent, their roster, than it has been their coaching. So time will tell on what happens in the Motor City. They have a saying in Detroit, and it's called rebuilding since 1957. So the, 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 the franchise has been tortured. How many years in a row are we going to see them get their kneecaps smashed on Thanksgiving Day? Hopefully for Lions fans who endured an 0-16 season, better days are ahead. But we thought this two years ago when Matt Patricia took over. So we'll see, Michael. Yeah, one of the biggest questions surrounding Detroit is what they do now with this roster. A lot of people are talking about, you know, maybe they pick a QB, move on from Stafford, trade him, get as much value as you can. Maybe you let Kenny Galladay walk in free agency. They have a lot of questions to be answered, and really a lot of people are wondering if they will rebuild or not. I, I would be curious to hear your guys' thoughts. I think with Dan Campbell coming in, it is a, you know, let's win now type of football hire. A really like let's increase our toughness, but I, I've had some friends, especially the Lion fans, who think otherwise. So I'd be curious to hear your guys' thoughts. Yeah, I, I mean, got- yeah. sorry, we can't see each other, so that makes it tough. I'll just say quickly that they might they might have the mindset of let's win now, but do they have the roster of let's win now? You know, I'm not quite sure about that. Yeah, I got to see what they do in the draft this year. I think it's time for them to pick a new quarterback. Rick says, lots of questions and no cap space. If I had to pick now, who's picking first in the 2022 draft, I would say the Lions should be the favorites. I think there's definitely some reason to believe it. Now we move on to the team picking first in the 2021 NFL draft. Jacksonville Jaguars hire Urban Meyer, a college football legend, now trying his fate in the NFL Probably one of the better situations to land in. Plenty of cap space. Trevor Lawrence on a silver platter. Some very nice offensive weapons. Urban Meyer has sent waves through the NFL with his hires this week for his coaching staff. And so many questions about how his game will translate from college football to the NFL ranks. How are we feeling about this hire? Rick, real quick, says Patricia back to the Patriots. So. Let's keep an eye on that. Now, for this hire here with the Jaguars, I love it. Uh, I think it's it's as close to a slam dunk as you can get. Having said that, you never know what the college coaches count up to the pros who have had ultra success at the college level because this is not college. You're not going to be involved in everything. You can't pick the roster. These guys are getting paid money. A lot of them are jerks sometimes. They're not going to be fearing you uh, like if you're in college where you can get cut and you're Career could be over. Here, if they there's an issue, they get fined. They don't care. You cut them, they go to another team. So it's going to be tricky. It's going to be interesting to watch. they got to take Trevor Lawrence. Hopefully, they don't mess that up. But the fact that they have so much cap space, Michael, 
just makes it seem to me like this is a first, a worst to first situation here in the AFC South. Obviously, Rivers is retiring. We'll get touched on that later. He had a great career. So Colts got an issue with quarterback. The Titans, they're probably nine and seven. So the Texans are going to be a disaster. It's there. For, it's theirs for the taking. So I like this hire a lot. Uh, I want. I'm interested to see though what kind of system Urban Meyer implements. Uh, is he going to continue with the very traditional college system he's done, he's done all these years, or is he going to be very creative and, and inventive and take it back to his Alex Smith, Tim Tebow days? So we'll see if it's the Ohio State offense or the Florida Gators, Utah State offense. Yeah, and he seems to be very vocal about the idea that you have to adapt to your team, which is huge. They hired Daryl Bevel as the offense coordinator, which I think will be a nice hire and should be able to mix and mesh the college game with the pro level. So I think it's huge for both sides. Now we move out to the West Coast. The Los Angeles Chargers hire the neighborly team, Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator Brandon Staley. They announced this pretty much while the conference championship games are going on a very young defensive-minded head coach that wowed the team. And, you know, what seemed like Brian Dabble's job, pretty much all the speculation was heading there, is now going to be hiring the young defensive coordinator, Nick Brian. This guy obviously has so much potential with this team, having a franchise QB like Justin Herbert, having some young defensive pieces like Derwin James if he's healthy, and Joey Bosa. What are your guys' opinions on this hire, and what do you think is in store for the future of the Chargers? I'll let Brian take this one since I spoke about the Urban Meyer one, but my point here is he needs to be thanking Aaron Donald. <laughs> yeah, that's no, that's 100% true. You know, we were talking about guys that just walked into somebody's office and wowed them in the interview and basically just stole the job that way, like Cliff Kingsbury. That has to be what Staley did. And um, it's not to say that he can't coach. Obviously, the Rams' defense was great. I I do wonder, like Nick said, how much of that has to do with the personnel, though. And I'm just going to say that this was too fast. Five years ago, this guy's coaching the defense of a D3 school in Ohio. Uh, And now he's the head coach of the Chargers. I guess what it does tell me is that uh, Brass with the Chargers thinks that their offense is in such good shape moving forward that – their defense is what they need to turn around to win a championship. And, you know, maybe that is ultimately true, but we've talked a lot about, you know, some of the guys that haven't gotten a chance to be head coaches yet that have done a lot more at the NFL level than a guy like Staley has. And it's not to say he doesn't have the potential to be a great coach, but, you know, if we're talking about uh, what somebody's earned at this level, you know, I'm not entirely sure this, uh, I'm not entirely sure this was the right hire or if it's going to work out. Michael, who is their offensive coordinator going to be? Are they bring in a new coordinator? I believe it's the same guy uh, that they're keeping. But I heard, I heard that they might go Kevin O'Connell actually, and he was a part of the Rams staff, which would be a big get. I think the entice about hiring Staley was he put together an insane schematic defense this season that was very hard to score on whenever you went against the Rams. And also just the idea that when you have a franchise QB and what they seem to have in Herbert, it's easy to kind of get this revolving door of very talented offensive coordinators that will come through. Yes, it can be annoying to consistently have a new one, but at the same time, if you have a QB that is that level, you're not going to be hurting as much when, you know, you have these hires coming in. So 
yeah. I think the idea was getting an established defense will be important. The success on offense should be able to come because of what we've seen already from Herbert and mixing that together to find success. I don't think any of us would be surprised if Justin Herbert is the MVP next season. We've seen it so many times, guys, sophomore season, win MVP, um, you know, Josh Allen, Mahomes, and Brady and Rodgers have something to say with that. But, he, I mean, what a rookie season. And obviously, Jaguars are getting Lawrence, but the Chargers would be the job I, I would want, I've wanted to, to get if I was head coach. Absolutely. And, you know, maybe Brian's favorite head coaching opening now, the New York Jets hiring Coach Sala out of San Francisco, a defensive-minded guy that has had such success, even this year where the 49ers were dealing with injury after injury. They were still able to compete in so many games thanks to Sala. Obviously, the Jets, as much as they have some offensive issues, they have some defensive issues to go along right with it. Brian, this hire could be huge, could be another disappointment. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts overall. I know we talked about it a little bit on the show, but now that we've had some time to really kind of sit in it, do some research, what are you thinking? Yeah, you know, I like the hire. Uh, I'm on the record as saying I did want the Jets to hire Eric Bieniemy. Um, I think he does deserve to be a head coach, but I don't think that the team was looking at this like we want an offensive guy or defensive guy. The team needed a hard culture reset, and that this is uh, the type of guy that maybe can bring it. Uh, Salah's, um, you know, resume can't really be questioned. What he's done over the past couple of years, especially with so many injuries uh, to his defense this past year, and he brings. Uh, Mike LaFleur with them, and really LaFleur dealt with the same thing uh, on offense. I think that Salah's the head coach, but it's really a package deal, and that's how people should think of this hire. You know, the Jets have a lot of holes. The coach isn't going to – and the coordinator isn't gonna, aren't going to turn the Jets into immediate contenders, but there's no question that the Jets needed a huge change. So Nick used the basketball metaphor for uh, Urban Meyer to say this was a slam dunk. Well – the Jets are taking a swing for the fences uh, with Salah. I think that this is actually a pretty good hire as someone who is a pessimistic fan and kind of uh, has low expectations for everything they do. I'm actually quite excited. Yeah, I also got to point out Rob Calabrese is going to be the quarterback coach. He's the guy that the Broncos wanted to start a quarterback when they had no quarterback. So uh, it's going to be key there between him and whatever quarterback they end up having. It's going to be huge for the team. The way I'm envisioning the Salah era to go is very similar to the Mangini era in the sense that um, when you look back on it years later, you realize, you know, this guy was a, was a brilliant mind and uh, he did some good and maybe we cut him short too, too, too soon because, you know, I, I think Salah, maybe not, well, we got to see what happens in the draft this year in Fragency, but I think it's possible that this guy has them always in the seven to nine win range. And it's uh, it's just going to be whether or not the Jets fans are satisfied with that as first and how much patience they give the guy. Uh, obviously, Gaze was pretty much a disaster in the first year, and then he had that quick win streak. But Brian is a Jets fan, and we'll let you speak upon all Jets fans, although you're much more reasonable and sane than most of them. Uh, <laughs> what do you need to be able to see from Sal in the first year? Uh, in order to, to know that this could potentially be the guy 
it with the team with the Jets. And look at this. Rob's cousin, Joe Calabrese, says, Congratulations to my distant uncle, their uncle. Forgetting the they're like the same age. I don't know how they're uncles, but forgetting the QBJ. He's gonna have a perfect time coaching Deshaun Watson. That's a whole nother story we can get into. But Brian, back to my initial question there. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to have to see? I mean, probably more than two wins, right? I mean, I, I think that some people always have no patience and they want to get to the playoffs right away, but I don't think that, you know, seven win jumps in the matter of one season are really realistic in football when you look at the roster. A lot of it's going to have to do with what the Jets do in the offseason, talking about how Joe just commented, if the Jets end up with Deshaun Watson, well, expectations are going to be a hell of a lot higher, aren't they? Uh, right. I- that, you know, the Jets are going to have to be a competitive team in every single game. You know, in the latter half of the season, the Jets were still playing hard, even though I don't think that was really for Adam Gaze. Uh, they were, and they kept a lot of games close. But, um, you know, moral victories at some point aren't going to matter anymore. But I think in the beginning, Jets fans are going to want to see a team that is in every game that gives themselves a chance to win every single game. And uh, from there, I mean, you just hope that the team ends up with more wins than it had this year, which I guarantee it will. By probably by the end of September, by, by the second week in October. We head from New York to Philadelphia, where Coach Nick Sirianni has been hired to arguably the messiest position in the entire NFL. Philadelphia, really a walking landmine of of a locker room right now. You know, a crazy debate over the, which QB should be starting. The ultimately firing of Coach Doug Peterson because he wanted to go with the other QB and a locker room divided over it. Lack of cap space, not great draft picks. You know, this has to be the toughest job in the NFL right now. Coach Sirianni seems to be the guy that they wanted. I heard that a lot of people denied this coaching opportunity, but still I think they were very high on Sirianni from the start. So Philadelphia gets their guy, another coach that is in the Andy Reid system, like Andy Reid, like Doug Peterson, and now they get Doug Peterson's former OC, uh, former OC's OC, Nick Sirianni. going to be interesting to see what happens. Anything goes on goes wrong and this turns into a disaster. What are your guys' thoughts on the Eagles head coaching hire? It's the Eagles, so chances are it's going to be a disaster. I I, I got to be honest. I personally never heard of this guy until he was hired. So yeah. hopefully it works out. They're probably figuring, oh, Reich left us to go there. This guy's with Reich, so maybe we got the connection there. It'll work out. Uh, maybe they probably talked to Reich and he probably put in a glowing recommendation. And, you know, they're bringing them in here, but the Eagles have underlying issues. And that is that, you know, that was, of course, the, the, the locker room, um, which is now eradicated with Doug Peterson leaving. Uh, and, you know, they need to figure out what they're doing at the quarterback position here. And fortunately or unfortunately for him, he's going to be tied to that quarterback decision here, depending on which, which direction they go. But NFC East, very winnable division. So, you know, Eagles fans are thinking right now we should win the division next year. Yeah, so this hire is about one thing. Howie Roseman wants to be a puppeteer and doesn't want somebody like Doug Peterson who doesn't want to listen to him. So you go get a guy with a low profile, with no head coaching experience, 
That's just going to do whatever he's told. And hopefully for the Eagles and their fans, Sirianni ends up, um, you know, surprising a lot of people because most of us, you know, know little to nothing about him. So it's nothing against him personally. But Howie Roseman and Eagles Brass does not want uh, somebody that isn't going to listen to them. I don't know how that guy still has a job either, but uh, Howie Roseman wants to be a puppeteer. That, that, that's my analysis. Yeah, and you got to think that this Eagles situation, as much as Nick Sirianni may be able to have a little bit of a leash with how bad it is right now, Howie Roseman gets fired if they're bad next year. And then a new GM comes in and says, well, I want to pick my own guy. And they say, give Sirianni one more year at least. So he has two years to turn it around in a locker room that is disastrous, in a team that has no cast space. I, I, Not even about Sirianni. They could hire anyone in this situation, and that coach would be put at terrible odds. I do not think this guy lasts very long. I think he's going to be here two years, and I don't think it's going to end pretty for the Eagles in this in this cycle. Oof. That's uh I could see it happening. And I, I like I like the analysis by both of you guys. So no not really loving this hire here. Uh Michael, out of all these hires, you know, what's the which is your your favorite and what's your least favorite? Because I, I yeah, there's a three guys there that you were kind of uncertain on. I think the coach that I liked most is Sala. I think based on what I've heard him say the idea that he is very open to the fact that he's not going to be this genius that he's going to run all things. He knows what his weaknesses are. He knows that other people are going to contribute to his success as much as anything. So I think that's huge. And as long as he takes that mindset and actually puts it into use, both for his fellow coaches and for his roster and players, then I think there's no reason to think he shouldn't succeed. With that number two pick, you should be able to either – A, get your QB of the future, or B, trade back and get so many draft picks that you can build out a complete roster and really turn over this team very quickly. And, you know, that 49ers system that had a 49ers roster that with, you know, Adam Gase there last year would have been in the same spot as the Jets right now with how many injuries they went through and how many times they got put out of games just because of that. I mean, I think the Jets could very easily compete a lot better next season. And maybe it's not going to be like a playoff run or anything, but this team could easily go, you know, six and 10, seven and nine next year, based on what we see, what we saw from San Francisco last year with how much they had to endure. All right. Now moving on, you know, everybody wants to be playing chapter championship weekend. Only four teams are playing. Brian, we're putting out great articles all season long on in the zone.io. So everybody go check those out. But of course, Brian, you got to tell everybody where they need to go if they want to get some bonuses before they place their bets this weekend. Yeah, if you're in a state with legal sports betting and you don't have an account, you need one before the conference championship game. So go to bonusseeker.com. You can check out all the different sportsbook options, promotions, bonuses. Sign up through the site to make sure you get the exclusive bonuses that we offer. Get yourself a little extra cash to play with. Put yourself ahead of the game immediately and have some fun because then the Super Bowl is coming up in a couple of weeks and there is a treasure trove of betting options for these games and for the Super Bowl every single year. So bonusseeker.com. So the three of us had three different Super Bowl predictions. And what's great about that is all three are still in play here. We all have three different combinations Michael, let's pull up the graphic here. We got the final four big games ready to go. 
And we'll start with the Sunday afternoon game where arguably, you can't even argue this, it's two of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. And it's going to be Tom Brady and his Tampa Bay Buccaneers heading to Lambeau Field to take on Aaron Rodgers in the hopes that they, in two weeks from now, in front of 22,000 fans, will be the first team to ever host the Super Bowl in their home stadium at Raymond James Stadium. You know Michael knows that's gonna ha- thinks that's going to happen. It's been his pick all year. He's going to stick with it, of course. But I don't know. I mean, the Packers looked really good last week against, against the Rams. But, of course, the Rams are not on the same level as the Buccaneers. Now, earlier in the season, before we give our picks here, uh, the Buccaneers' defense, Todd Bowles, was a genius and shut down the Packers. Michael, you buy anything into that? Does that matter at all here in this game? Well, if we're talking about past performances, then last week wouldn't happen because the Saints absolutely wiped the floor with the Buccaneers. The big thing is not having that mindset at all. What you are doing in this game is entirely new. The Packers have found so much more momentum since then. The Bucs are a new team with offensive success. And the defense, yes, they had some success from week to week, but there's been some times where they've gotten carved up. So I I love the Bucs, and I, I really want them to win this game. Obviously, rooting for Brady as a big Patriots fan, I want them to succeed. But the Packers are very much still in play. Their defense has been phenomenal. Jair Alexander has been one of the best cornerbacks in football. Aaron Jones is one of the best running backs in football. Aaron Rodgers is arguably one of the best QBs in football probably the best one this season. So it's very much a toss-up of a matchup. I got the Bucks in this one. I think the biggest thing is just owning the ball, controlling time of possession, and trying to keep this a slow game where Brady can really slowly march downfield, put up points, and then you're trying to just get advantage of this Aaron Rodgers where, you know, he can sometimes become a little bit inconsistent where if you're keeping him off the field – then putting them on the field after eight minutes of time with the ball in their hands, then, you know, if he hasn't three and out, then the whole momentum has just entirely gone your way. So look for the Bucks to really try to control this clock. Uh, probably called a boring game by many, but if it's boring and you win, it's better than being exciting and losing. So look for the Bucks to really try to slow this thing down, control the clock, and hopefully come away with the victory. When it's late January or early February, when Brady is in doubt, he gronks it out. Gronk is going to play a huge factor here. You know he's the go-to target there for Brady in these big games, and that could be even more so here if Antonio Brown is out. Brian, from a betting perspective here, are you waiting to hear Brown's status before you place your bet? Well, Brown's out. He's out. Okay. Yeah, he's definitely out. You're right about Gronk. He's going to have to play a huge role. Green Bay is, you know, about three and a half point favorites right now. Uh, The public is big on Green Bay. Um, But I have to side with the public here. Um, You know, what Michael said about the Saints and the Bucks was 100% right. Uh, This happened to Rodgers last year where San Francisco dominated him in the regular season and then the NFC Championship game dominated him again. If we think that he forgot about that, uh, we're mistaken. So I think that they are going to be very smart to make adjustments for whatever happened uh, in the last game. Yeah, I just think this is the Packers game to lose, even without a full crowd. Lambeau is one of those places, especially in January, that is a legitimate home field advantage. 
And, you know, we talk a lot about all the different weapons that the Bucks have on offense. Well, the Packers also have a million different ways they can go. Uh, they found ways to to scheme Devontae Adams open against Jalen Ramsey last week. And that was beautiful. That was one of the best play. And the play action play pass that Rodgers had to play. Nobody has play action better than Rodgers. I mean, that was a thing of beauty. Yeah, they're, they, I really think this is the Packers game to lose. I do think it'll be a close game. I actually totally agree with Michael, where a lot of people are loving the over on this. I lean towards the under. I do think ball control is going to have something to do with it. I do think that even if th there's no snow or anything like that, the fact that it's 26 degrees, you know, might uh, cause things to slow down a little bit in the second half. I'll tell you what, though. The Bucks need to be leading this game at halftime if they want a chance to win. The Packers have only let one team come back uh, from, I believe, this year with, when they're leading at, at half. And I think that Aaron Rodgers is something like 64% against the spread in his career on that both field. So uh, I had Green Bay you know, making the Super Bowl in the beginning of the playoffs, and I'm just going to stick with that one. I'm going with you on this, Brian. I picked the Packers to get the Super Bowl. Minus three and a half. Doesn't scam me at all. It's going to be a very close game, but ultimately I think the Packers win by more than a field goal in this one. And the only question here really is, Brian, over-under here. Are we thinking it's a high-scoring game or a low-scoring game? 20, 52 is, you know, 25, 26 points each. So thinking maybe this could be an over. But if we're, if we're looking at – this, you know, vaunted Buccaneers defense, which Rick says he doesn't like the defense attempt at all, then maybe we're looking at a high-scoring game. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at the two offenses, how efficient they are, how prolific they are, all the weapons that they have, it immediately points to an over. And it is tough at 51.5 or 52 to convince yourself that under uh, is the move, especially when, you know, the Packers uh, – sorry, the Bucks run defense is good, but it's pass defense um, has struggled a little bit. I know last week they were able to generate turnovers. I think that had more to do with Drew Brees than anything else, to be honest with you, uh, other than the fumble on Jared Cook. But uh, I still lean toward the under, just trying to take the quarterbacks and the offenses sort of uh, out of it. I think that you might just get a couple of drives that wind up in field goals rather than touchdowns. And when sixes turn to threes, overs become unders. So I'm going to say it could be somewhere in that, in that you know, maybe a similar score we saw last week where the Packers beat the Bucks, you know, 30 to 20, 30 to 21. And of course it, it could go over, but I feel most comfortable with taking a half point off the Packers, take the minus three. They're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I see this game being something like a 31 27 final. Could How about be. you, Michael? What do you, what are you expecting here from the game style? I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it's going to be a 21 17 ball game. And I think the, uh, the Bucks control it. And we could see something even less uh, than three touchdowns, maybe a lot of field goals for the Bucks to kind of pull it through, something where they're putting up like 23 to 17 or something like that. But, you know, expect a low-scoring game, and I, I would definitely take the under. Even though both offenses have potential, I think uh, the big thing is going to be ball control for the Bucks, And as long as – Brady is the QB. They should at least succeed to do that. I'm not saying that they're going to win for sure, but I think they will definitely succeed in slowing down this game and taking down the scoring totals. All right. Now to this Sunday late game here, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, who will be back, taking on the Buffalo Bills. You saw it, folks. I have a Buffalo Bills jersey on here. They were my pick to get to the Super Bowl against the Packers. Of course, I'm sticking with that here 
And I think it's going to surprise a lot of people here that the Bills are going to win this game easily. And they'll win by at least seven points here. So give me the Bills to win. And, of course, they're going to win outright. So, of course, the Bills plus three is an easy pick for me. Uh, I do think, though, both of these teams will have some issues against the NFC champion in the Super Bowl. We'll hold off our Super Bowl picks till he knows in the Super Bowl. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Bills here. Rick's saying the same thing. Break them tables. Bill Ma- Bills Mafia, 38-27. to 27. I, like, I like what you're thinking there, Rick. All right, Michael, we'll start with you on this one. I think I got to go with the Chiefs. You know, now that Mahomes has been cleared and is definitely coming back, I think the Chiefs very much have all this firepower to really outmatch anyone. And the Bills have so much potential, have so much offensive firepower, but it doesn't come close to what the Chiefs can do when they are playing at their best. And I expect them at their best. I expect a huge game. The Bills have all the momentum, but sometimes, you know, greatness just prevails. And that's that's what I expect from the Chiefs. All right, Brian. Yeah, we're assuming that Mahomes will be, I mean, we know he's playing, but that he'll be at least close to 100%. And, you know, going off what Rick said in the comments, you know, the Bills are fun. Their fans are fun. Their quarterback's great. Their coach is good. They're an extremely likable team. They're very easy to root for. And they're a team that is so good that they haven't even played a really a complete game in these playoffs yet, yet have still been able to advance. But once you get to this point, you don't you don't go to the Super Bowl without playing a complete game. Their defense got gashed a little bit for over 160 yards on the ground by the Colts. And then last week, their defense stepped up, but their offense managed only barely 200 yards against the Ravens. Without both sides of the ball playing extremely well in this game, they are not going to win. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I'm not really sure about the spread. You know, the Bills are like 9-1 and in their last 10 against the spread, and the Chiefs have only covered once in the last two months. But this spread might be low enough where it's really a push number. But I'm still going to go with the Chiefs just because I think they win the game, and I'm not going to pick them to win by one or two points. So, look, I just think that the Chiefs' defense, which is mediocre, is better against the pass than against the run. But the good news for them is that the Bills don't want to run the ball. They can't run the ball. They're going to throw the ball. But I actually think the weather is going to be a factor in this one, so I'm going to take the under in this one too. So uh, I would say Chiefs in the under if I had to pick, but I actually feel better about the total in this one than I do about a side. Rick thinks it's criminal that Mahomes is cleared. We'll say, um, you know, Never want we didn't we, we know we don't want to see Chad Henning in this game, so we're glad it's some home starting. But real quick, and then we got to talk. We have some more stuff to talk about, of course. Here we need to break down underclassmen declaration deadline. But uh, Michael, if you're you know in your head or maybe the network's head, what's the better matchup here for the Super Bowl? Obviously, we're going to take out Allen because everyone wants Mahomes there. Do we want to see Mahomes Rodgers or Mahomes Brady again? I think I'm biased in saying Mahomes Brady, but I think most people want to see Mahomes Rodgers. It's this, uh, you know, young QB that kind of is on the same pace that Rodgers was when he first took over the job versus what Rodgers is now, which is still one of the better QBs in the league. I want it to be Brady versus Mahomes, but I think the idea of two of the best QBs in the league with two of probably the highest arm talent in the league besides maybe Russell Wilson, Matt Stafford, guys like that, but they're both very much in the conversation. So it would be a phenomenal matchup. You get the uh, State Farm game, I think, is also coming in here. 
Ah, yeah. Stay Farm or Love, Mahomes and Rodgers. Yeah, this absolutely. Checking up and down the field. They'll probably have Jake do the uh, coin toss. So nice. huge opportunity for them. So I think a lot of people are rooting for Mahomes versus Rodgers. Uh, but my personal take is I want to see Mahomes versus Brady. Unless Mahomes just wipes the floor with Brady, then I want to see something else. What do you think, Brian? <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that people want to see Mahomes versus Rodgers. I do think that Tampa playing at home will throw a little extra wrinkle into it where people might want to see something they've never seen before, and that's the team that can play in the Super Bowl at their home field. But I'm going to tell you why I really want it to be Rodgers, because believe it or not, even though nobody in the real world thinks this, there are still people, because he's only won the one championship, that like to uh, you know discount. Right. State Farm, some of what Aaron Rodgers has done, acting like he's not really on that in that pantheon of great quarterbacks. And I really just want him to shove it down their throats because they're some of the dumbest people alive. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. And I felt the same way about Drew Brees. It looks like he's going to retire. Um, sad to see him go. You know, he, he didn't get his second ring where he, many times he could have, you know, wonky calls with the refs. And I talked about it earlier. Rivers retiring as well. It's a real changing of the guard here over the next year or two. And we, it all started with Peyton retiring. Um, and the quarterback game has totally changed. Uh, you know, the Peytons and the Elis of the world, uh, that pocket passer, not going to see much of that anymore in the NFL. You want, everyone wants their Josh Allen or Mahomes. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, but congratulations to, to Drew Brees on one of, an incredible career, one of the best quarterbacks to ever do it. And, you know, we'll be talking offseason about where they go from here and the same thing with the Colts. But, Michael, wait, there, there's some players we don't know if they're going to be able to replace those guys with. You know, there's there's deadlines here. Who's going to be draft eligible? So walk us through here the declaration deadline for underclassmen. Right. So there were some very notable players that decided not to enter the NFL draft. Some players weren't eligible. One that really stands out is Daniel Falele, the huge 6'9", 400-pound offensive tackle a lot of people were talking about Makai Becton and how much this size was just huge into his play. And then it kind of resonated to the type for Daniel Falele, who maybe wasn't as highly touted, but still had so much entice in terms of what he had to offer as a prospect. So definitely a huge return. Also some other notable players such as Ventrell Miller, linebacker out of Florida, had been getting some day two hype. And now he also returns. Uh, Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle for Georgia, returns. There's so many players that are now heading back. Yes, this is going to be an interesting offseason where we really don't know what's going on. The seniors have been cleared to not have to declare until March. So we still have so many players that their fate is up in the air. NFL front offices are going to have a lot of work to do this year. But next year, when – these 200, 300 returning seniors are just having to enter the draft with your regular seniors and then all the underclassmen that are declaring scouts are going to be in for a lot of work. So rest up to all those scouts that are in this process because next year you are going to be scouting probably 24-7 for about six months straight. Whew. It's going to be going to be intense moving forward here with the draft process and we'll see everything shakes out with – coronavirus and college football next season and you know i guess kudos to the nfl for getting through the season here we are three games away from the complete season plus whatever the heck the virtual pro ball is going to be who cares 
congrats Evan Ingram, you're a virtual pro bowler. Congrats, can't catch a ball. But hey, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun time to watch. Michael's got us covered here up till the draft, and he's gonna be ready to go. Start doing some mocks here. Uh, you know, we got a few minutes left here, guys. So I want you each to rank the final four teams in order of who you'd like to see win most to who you'd least like to see. So for me, I would say I want to see the Bills win, then the Packers and the Bucks and the Chiefs. Chiefs, I don't want to see repeat. Don't want to see them go back to back. Brian, what's your order? I'll go in reverse order. Um, I guess I'd like to see the Bills win the least just because they're in the Jets division, and that's how fans kind of are. Right? Right. I do like the team. They're very easy to root for. I have nothing against any of them personally. I wish that the Jets kind of had – you wish that your team had Josh Allen at this stage. but And then I'll say the Bucks because, you know, Tom Brady. And then I'll say the Chiefs repeat. And number one, I'd like to see the Packers win. I know that if you're a Bears fan or a Vikings fan or a Lions fan, you hate that, that notion, but – you know, Rodgers is really so good, and he's just somebody that, even though everybody knows he's so good, he still in some circles just doesn't get enough do, and the guy's an absolute freak. So I'd like to see that. And uh, you, Michael? So for me, obviously, I'm, number one is the Bucks. Number two, I'm a big fan of Mahomes and all he's doing in his legacy. Obviously, I'm number one Brady fan out there, but, you know, Mahomes, you love to see good football, and Mahomes is doing that. The next, I'd probably say – I'm rooting for the Packers. Aaron Aaron Jones is one of my favorite running backs in the NFL. Absolutely a huge fan of that guy. So much talent on this roster. And then it'd be the Buffalo Bills. But even them, I wouldn't mind seeing them win. Uh, watching Josh Allen become a great QB after coming in as a prospect that was so raw and had to develop so much and seeing that growth, he's proved me tremendously wrong. He's proved a lot of people completely wrong. I was low on him. I thought he'd be a huge bust. I didn't think Buffalo would work out for him. Obviously, I'm the fool here in this situation. And it goes elite, that – elite quarterback. Yeah, it just absolutely shows that you shouldn't listen to a thing I say on the show. doesn't really mean yeah. much. Cancel the show. <laughs> yeah, I just got some platform to let me talk. It doesn't really matter. So, you know, absolutely huge props to him. Huge props to all these teams. I can't say that I'd really be disappointed with anyone winning. I think they've all had a phenomenal year especially with such crazy circumstances. And before we log off, I just want to say Josh McCown has emerged as a favorite for the Houston Texans job. Former oh quarterback, really coming out of nowhere. That's Apparently a surround him with a lot of former coaches and guys that have experience in that regard wow. because they know his inexperience, but they are now talking about him as the possible head coach. Maybe I think of there that, if, if there's another COVID outbreak, at least we got a backup quarterback. That, to me, makes no sense. He's got no coaching experience, period. We, Brian was getting on some of these guys for having head coaching experience. He's got no experience coaching at all whatsoever. Uh, and you know he's not going to be happy about that? The Sean Watts. So – well, that's going to be something to watch. Right. By the time by the time our next show comes, Deshaun Watson's going to have been traded to the Jets for a ransom. So don't worry about it. Well, I don't know. I mean – Aren't they not allowed to trade until after the Super Bowl at this point? Yeah, but there will be there will be uh, talked about agreements and stuff. A lot agreed of these teams have agreed upon in principle. It, yeah. Well, wow. that is what we have for you. Destination Draft Day. I'm Michael Rockman, joined by Nick Durst and Brian Salsa. A great show. Brought it all the way to the end. We're running low on time. Thank you to all the viewers. Thank you to all the people in the comment section. 
Thank you, LandryFootball.com. And thank you to Bonus Seekers for all the opportunities that you guys have brought. Destination Draft Day, whether it's pro football, college football, or NFL draft, we got you covered. It's a long road to draft day, but we will be there for every bump. We will see you guys on Monday. Take care. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.